It's good to see you again. Pull up a chair by the hearth. Every Wednesday in Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and your favorite pieces from the many video game soundtracks that we've enjoyed over the decades. Joining me, Ryan Heyman, in Sound of Play 67 is Carl Moon. Hello, everybody. Hey, hey. So we've got a uh, a bit of a different type of show than at least the ones that <laughs> that I brought you over the past month or so. Uh, it's been a very busy time in the uh, Sound of Play studio back in uh, issue uh, 64, we had the Super Soul Bros, an entire huge band of of jazz performers all uh, performing their own music. And that, that was a lot of fun to talk to them, to get to listen to their music again, to get to hear a little bit about their story. Uh, and then the very next episode, um, I was uh, lucky enough to be joined by, uh, by Cole Ross and Gary Butterfield of the Duck Feed TV crew for the uh, the now yearly, <laughs> uh, second annual, should say, Halloween special. Um, and uh, we, I, I did mention this on the Twitter, but I would also like to extend a really big thank you in that, um, that episode once again uh, to Chris Marlowe, who was our special musical guest, uh, who provided the, uh, the vocals to that, um, that, that rousing song at the end. I, I won't spoil it if you haven't... Um, if you haven't listened to it just yet, but I, I would, I would recommend that because that uh that that properly cracks me up, and um that was uh one thing that uh, Josh Garrity did not know about going into that episode. So <laughs> nice little little surprise there. But um I mentioned Chris Marlowe's name because uh, not only is he a talented singer, as you could hear from the special, 
Um, but he is also the voice of the great Mighty Pooh in Conker's Bad Fur Day. So it's a real <laughs> kind of weird honor to be working with with that piece of crap. <laughs> what, what a legacy to leave. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it's really wonderful though. And, um, if, if anybody would like to listen to that, um, that song, once again, Mr. Marlowe's majestic vocals in isolation, then that, uh, that song is posted on the Canon Rinse forum, canonrinse.com slash forum in the sound of play sub forum and in the issue 65 thread there. So you can go ahead and pick that up. It's free for download and and uh, you know, listen to it or or set it as your ringtone or whatever. I don't know what 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 the kids like to do with music these days. You could probably Spotify that, I'd imagine. Ah, <laughs> uh, well. Anyways, and so what we're doing today is uh, it's been so much fun over the past month in uh, in in Sound of Play. But frankly, I'm a bit exhausted after all of the festivities, and so I am just properly kicking my feet up and uh, just having a nice relax session with my my old buddy Carl here and we're just going to do a regular run-of-the-mill sound of play but that's not to say that the music is any less special we've got some great tracks and uh, this is not a themed show but I think you'll notice at least a few of the um, community contributions and a couple of the tracks that I'm putting forward are kind of like <laughs> Halloween leftovers, should I say? Uh, we had a, a massive outpouring of um, of support as we were kind of preparing for the Halloween show. I, I believe it was uh, um, Telepri who said, "Hey guys, are you taking requests for the Halloween show?" I'm like, "Yeah, you know what? Throw us something. We might be able to throw it on there." And uh, we ended up getting uh, more contributions than we were able to fit into um, into that particular show. And so we will be playing a few of those today. And so consider this kind of like an extended bit of the Halloween season. Like me personally, I try to keep the spirit of Halloween alive in my heart all year round. But um, this this should be still some uh, some really wonderful music, if a bit more minor key. But um, that has uh, nothing to do with the first piece that we heard coming into the show. And that is a, a piece from a a piece from Hearthstone. Uh, Carl, do you want to do you want to introduce that? Because I've not played Hearthstone myself, so this is going to have to be all you, buddy. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it's strange because for years I almost avoided the Blizzard franchise of games, and it's not mm-hmm. that it's uh, a range of genres of games that I don't play. I just found them intimidating almost, and that the community was so mm-hmm. large that I was going to be the outlier to that, and I didn't feel yeah. like I belonged. Um, and so... On the off chance, I just thought, oh, I'll install Hearthstone. It was actually after I'd played the beta for uh, Overwatch. That sort of lured me in, and it was there in the Battle.net client, and I thought, well, I'll install this. And I think I ended up staying up until about 7 a.m. playing Hearthstone, uh, getting re- really sort of addicted into this this game. And there was just something about this track in particular in that it, it, it really does welcome you to the game. It literally welcomes you <laughs> to the game. And I thought that would be a really great way to start a show. So um, I, I chose it mainly because it was a great introduction, but also because mm. it, it's a jingle that whilst you're playing is sort of ringing about in the back of your head. Mm. Um, and it's completely inoffensive it's charming and even after countless hours of hearing that tune i still really like it so um whilst i'm not a diehard hearthstone player it is a really fascinating sort of 
it, it's becoming sort of this really large game. Um, it's currently BlizzCon as we're recording this. Um, it's on its second day. The new expansion got announced for it, and I got really into it, and I've installed it on my phone. I thought I'm going to play a bit more of it, and it's sort of as everything came together, I realised I had to put it on this recording. Um, so yeah, mm. it, it's just a really nice sort of friendly welcoming to you. So that uh, that spoken intro there as well. They have the uh, the pull up the chair. Um little bit that uh that's voiced is that a part of a like an animated intro like you would see on the rare replay every time you boot that up or is that just uh you know sends you straight to the menu and you hear that voice whenever you uh log in yeah it's it, you hear that voice as you as you sit down and and the idea of, okay. of hearthstone is that you play uh an opponent sort of at a tavern and it's got that kind of atmosphere going on and mm, it's yeah. sort of this fantasy element of, of a take on the game of well a, a game of competitive cards or chess or anything along those lines where it's sort of one-on-one um and and yeah as, as you boot the game in it, it comes in on sort of this this box that it comes in and it's like pull up a chair you know like we're going to play this game and yeah it, it's just as seems to be the way with most uh, blizzard games now that i've tried them really charming like the, the they do have mm. a knack for getting stuff like this right. Yeah, and that is composed by Peter McConnell, who I am more familiar with from uh, the Brutal Legend and Psychonauts soundtrack. He, he works with uh, Tim Schafer's Double Fine Company quite a bit. And uh, am I am I remembering correctly that he was also the lead composer on Grim Fandango? I believe so. Um, the name flashed okay. up because on a past episode, I was going to choose a Grim Fandango song. Um, and, mm-hmm, and at yeah. the last second, I opted not to um, for my sins because that is a that is a wonderful soundtrack in its own right. So yeah, the, the name Peter McConnell does ring true mainly for me. It's Brutal Legend um, because that, right. that's quite a fun little score. Uh, more fun than the game, yeah, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there's the, the score and then there's the soundtrack of, of licensed music. And I think both of them hold up really well. Obviously, the licensed music kind of overshadows the score in people's memory. But um, I I do have a couple pieces from the score kind of set aside for a future sound of play. I think I've had that ever since I was like first compiling my list of music and I've just never gotten around to featuring it. But uh, maybe sometime soon, I'll throw those in there because there's some really nice stuff. People probably don't realize how hard it is to not pick your songs, you know. The, the, there's all these video game tracks and every single time I come on this show I'll have a list of six and then I'll have to sort of choose two or three and it's mm-hmm. it's so difficult um, to choose them so yeah I think we all have these tracks set aside that I will pick that next time I'm on and then it gets overlooked again and it, it keeps going and yeah. it, it's such a shame <laughs> yeah and then I do what I do um, little spoiler alert the last track on this episode is garbage, <laughs> but it's fun garbage, and I'm really happy to be bringing it to you, but it is terrible, and it it makes me think, like, I do have a whole huge playlist full of, like, amazing video game music that it makes me feel a little guilty for picking the occasional garbage track every once in a mm. while, but uh, it is what it is, <laughs> but that is, in, uh, that is in a few tracks' time. We will certainly get back to that, um, but until then, we have a lot of really good music music, including uh, this first request from Telebrief in the forum, who says, uh, 15 years after release, I still think Luigi's Mansion is one of the greatest horror games made. At the time, at the age of six, I was terrified of King Boo and of walking through the candlelit corridors. I have vivid memories of being especially anxious when I would get to the power outage portion of the game. This track easily is in my top 10 of any video game music. 
After a dozen playthroughs of the game, I'll still stop to listen to this bit whenever I'm talking to Madame Clairvoya. This is Talking with Ghosts by Kazumi Tataka and Shinobu Tanaka from Luigi's Mansion back in 2001, that, uh, that GameCube launch title. And um, yeah, of course, this was one of the uh, leftover Halloween requests. And um, it, it's a nice little track, it's a little slower, a little bit more reserved, a little uh, really interesting <laughs> instrumentation. Um, and I, I don't know if it's the type of track that would have like stood out to me if I was just listening to the soundtrack, um, because I, I think Luigi's Mansion soundtrack as a whole has a lot of uh, really cool um, instrumentation and yeah. some really uh, layered compositions as well. And so this one uh, feels like a little bit more embedded in that moment in the game. But I'm, I'm, sur- I'm sure that uh, anybody who has memories of the uh, Madame Clairvoya encounter will, um, will, will smile upon this next track here. So let's uh, listen to Talking with Ghosts from Luigi's Mansion. Uh, another Nintendo piece. We get a lot of those coming from coming through here, I should say. Uh, this next track is uh, Nintendo adjacent, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, second party, I believe, at the time. Uh, yes, would have been back in the Super NES era, but it, um, this particular game did not debut on the Super NES, and it's uh, it certainly did not stay within the Nintendo household. Uh, this is a uh, a track that I have in my um, guess Halloween rotation, so to speak, and this has been a real favorite of mine ever since I was really young. Um, this is called Tooth and Claw, composed by Robin Beanland from Killer Instinct, and this is from the Killer Cuts album. Now I know that they also released a Gold Cuts album at the time of release of the Super Nintendo game, which I believe that album went on to become the soundtrack for the N64 version, Killer Instinct Gold. Um, But I'm not sure whether the Killer Cuts CD represents the actual soundtrack of the game or whether it's like remixes. Uh, I'm a little fuzzy on the... uh, Do you have any sort of insight? How long of a... How big of a Killer Instinct fan are you? (laughs) It's... This is a really strange franchise because, at least mm. in this country, it got a lot of presence in the arcades, um, mm. and I really enjoyed playing it. But when you sort of it, it came to the consoles, it became clear that it's not actually that good of a game. Um, and it was <laughs> it was sort of in the build up to this being re released um, as a, a new franchise under Microsoft for the Xbox One that it became clear that perhaps the most popular element of Killer Instinct was never the game, but actually the music. So mm. it, it's got this really iconic soundtrack, or as you said, two soundtracks. Um, and they ended up getting the composer that they did for, for the Xbox One release. And all I saw on Twitter was, I hope the soundtrack's right, the music's got to be right. And then 
sort of I <laughs> sort of dive back into why are all these people talking about the you know the soundtrack because when you're playing in the arcade you you sort of acknowledge the music but never it, the atmosphere and the the loudness and the echo and the roar around you as you're in the arcade makes up that experience not so much the music from the game so this is a soundtrack that I've really come to love but nowhere near 1994. I mean, we're talking, I can enjoy this soundtrack in like 2013. So 19, yeah. <laughs> 19 years on, I appreciate the soundtrack for what it is because the, I realized then that that's what was truly the iconic element of this franchise. And yeah, it, it's, it's absolutely outstanding uh, score in, in, in the, scope that is killer instinct i think everybody will remember the um the kind of blazing guitar um piece that introduces uh both this game and uh a a very similar track from one of the killer instinct sequels um but this this piece has always kind of captured my attention and i think the first time that i ever played killer instinct it was actually on the game boy and so um i'd imagine that uh that i heard this same piece of music, but kind of rendered in that simpler, um, simpler composition format, which perhaps makes the, uh, the tune, um, cut through all of the, uh, noise and bombast. And this is a very heavily layered track as we're going to hear. Um, but, uh, I, I just remember this tune always stuck with me. And mm. as I was, um, I, I spent quite a few years playing violin growing up. And this is one of the tracks that I figured out how to play and would play just all the time because mm. I love this piece of music. And this is the uh, the theme song of the Saber Wolf character, kind of a werewolf looking uh, looking fellow. And it definitely does play to that very like <laughs> and of like traditional gothic horror type of uh, uh, of sound. This music, um, which is fun because he's being kind of pitched up against a lot of characters that don't fit with that aesthetic as well. Um, there's a ninjas and there's a native American warriors and um, skeletons and all sorts of things, anything that you can think of even like robots and stuff. It's, it's a weird lineup, but I think that's kind of what gave uh, yeah. the game its identity. And that part of its identity has uh, certainly flourished as it was uh, revived on the Xbox One recently, um, but yeah, this is uh, this is Tooth and Claw by Robin Beanland, who we will also know as the composer of the uh, Conquer's Bad Fur Day soundtrack, um, which has little bits of the Killer Instinct music playing whenever Conquer pulls out his Game Boy. <laughs> so that's fun, but um, yeah, so this is the Killer Cuts version of Tooth and Claw from Killer Instinct.
That's really interesting because most people, uh, when when they think back to the Killer Instinct soundtrack, think of the Mick Gordon score, and that, that's Mick Gordon in 1994, mm. and Mick Gordon again, who came in to do the 2013 um, version of it, uh, and at least the first two seasons um, of the new Killer Instinct. Mm. So it's it's quite fascinating when you go back and you listen to the other composers because Mick Gordon's the one that's synonymous with Killer Instinct um, for yeah. good for good reason. You know, his name's been attached to it for for 20 years. Um, but th- this is a really great track. You know, this the, the Robin Beanland ones mm. um, are fascinating, and you realise how you know there is an element of diversity to this to this to this score. When you know we, we all talk about how it's a very aggressive soundtrack, and the, the new one is is an incredible soundtrack. By the way, if mm. anyone hasn't listened to the the 2013 edition of Killer Instinct score, um, but yeah, I mean, really, really cool. Really, you know, I've not listened to this soundtrack now for well. Since 2013, um, and before that, even longer. So it's, it always fascinates me when I go back and listen to the other composers that were involved in the project. And this this is a really cool track from Robin Beanland. Yeah, uh, it has that, uh, as I mentioned, that kind of like gothic horror type feel to it, which it reminds me a lot of his later composition, again, from Conker's Bad Fur Day, called Bats, which we've played in a previous uh, Sound of Play before. But that's another uh, just really kind of magnificent symphonic horror type um, type song that that feels very accomplished in its composition. And so, you know, he certainly, um, I, I guess these aren't the types of tracks that he's probably best known for, but he, he has a real talent for producing this, uh, this very specific type of, uh, type of song. So, um, yeah, definitely one to, uh, keep your eyes on in, in future soundtracks and such. Let's go back into a little bit more Halloween-type music, another one that's a little bit more kind of upbeat and fun, I would say. Uh, This track comes from Flabio, who only says that intro. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is Burning Halloween Town by Manabu Namiki from Death Smiles. It's a uh, a cave shooter. And if you want to hear the entire Canonerance crew's... uh, Well, not the entire crew, but uh, that selection of panelists... Um, talk about the cave shooters as a whole. Then you can go back to Cane Rinse issue 112, where Death Smiles and its kin are uh, are talked about exhaustively, I'm sure. Uh, Carl, were you on that show? I'm not remembering now. I wasn't. And the reason is I'm petrified of cave shooters. I am awful. <laughs> uh, yeah, I used, to, I used to like them as a kid when I had lightning fast hand-eye coordination. Now I just look like a fool fumbling around with a joystick. So um, I... I adore mm. watching people play them, but I can't do it myself. Mm. It's just not um it's just not a genre thriving, uh, sadly. And it's a shame because the soundtracks are always killer soundtracks. They're so yeah, crazy yeah. and out there. And as you mentioned, this is like a really upbeat and fun track. It's certainly more upbeat and fun than the yeah. name, Burning Halloween Town, which is quite morbid. But uh-huh. <laughs> um as a track, yeah, the, the they're just they're, they're just fun, you know. I even um, sort of cave shooters and and the like that I've never played or never heard of. I'll download the soundtracks and just play them in the background because they just they're so out there. It's great. It really sounds like something out of a Dance Dance Revolution game, and yeah. uh, even in the uh, types of um, that synthesized percussion hit, and uh, a lot of the instrumentation is very reminiscent of the type of music that I remember. Uh, listening to back on like fourth mix and all of those uh those great classic ddrs back in the day yeah um but yeah let's uh let's jump into burning halloween town 
um, from Death Smiles. Anything with that that organ sound in it, particularly when they uh, when it looks like or when it sounds like they're having a lot of fun, just kind of going crazy on that thing. So real fun track there. Just go big, just go really big. That's yeah. Yep, yep. (laughs) 
So this next track is another one that I'm not going to know a lot about, <laughs> but uh, why don't you introduce us to um, this, this last Odyssey track? Yeah, this is this is a track that I've become reacquainted with because it's recently come back to Xbox One on backwards compatibility, and it was one of the most requested games. And it was the mm. game that I'd mentioned countless times over on social media, and you know, messaging the Microsoft team saying that this is the one I want. And it was always a problem being a multi-disker that fixed that issue, and then they released it. Um, the game is, as you said, Lost Odyssey, and. This is a track called Never Ending Journey, um, but most people who've played the game would just know it as the map music. So every time you go to the world map, this is what, you know, the, the music that comes in and it's got that sort of slow build up. And I originally played this game four years ago um, and I sort of, I, as I often do, I'll binge away on a game and I, I put 30 hours into the game over sort of four or five days and ended up burning myself out from playing any more of the game but this one track and it's not that it's just this one track is better than any of the others the score is fantastic I mean the co- the composer is uh, Nobuo Uematsu who most people would know right. as the Final Fantasy composer um, and those familiar with the Final Fantasy score will know what to expect from this one uh, it's very much in that style and even after four years note for note the first sort of minute of this track I could recall perfectly. And the second I hit the map screen, replaying it through again on backwards compatibility, just this big, goofy, daft grin hit my face. I <laughs> love this track. And it's a track that I was going to put onto an earlier show. And part of me really wanted to be the first person to put a Lost Odyssey track on it. And CJ beat me to it. He did a he did an ending um, to, a, to a show with a 15-minute Lost Odyssey track. And he sort of oh, that's to- right. it's, totally uh, stole my thunder. That was a uh, medley of sorts, wasn't it? Yeah, and it, it's like an, an almighty medley, and it just goes on forever, and yeah, it's, sure. it's absolutely fantastic. This one is just shy of three minutes, so you won't have to mm-hmm. you know, listen through. Unfortunately, it will get you to the awful track that Ryan's picked at the end of the track, at uh, the end of the show, a little <laughs> quicker. So um, this is just a truly wonderful game from a period of time when Microsoft were making a push to get the JRPGs onto the Xbox 360 and show it as a more cultured machine that brought in Mistwalker to build the Lost Odyssey franchise. Um, you know, they the brought all these the other blue, the likes of Blue Dragon and, and whatnot onto the system. And it was a really wonderful time to be sort of playing through these games. But this was sort of, this was their big hitter. This was the one that was going to be, you know, all guns out there where they went for the, the sort of the, the big Japanese Composer, the most famous one. You know, if you if you're gonna borrow anything, let's get the one who did Final Fantasy VII and the like. So they went for that, and for me, he just knocked this track completely out of the park. It's so I, I can't, there are no words to describe how much I really enjoy this track, and it's just a daft little slow paced track when you hit the map screen, but truly wonderful. Hmm. So this is Never Ending Journey by Nobuo Umatsu.
um, yeah, coming back to uh, something a little bit more somber now. This is another interesting track. I remember going back to Sound of Play number one, the very first one of all. Um, Jay requested a track from uh, hmm, Linger in Shadows, I believe it was called. That, that little kind of not really game, not really movie. Mm-hmm. That weird little kind of like semi-interactive animation that... Uh, that Sony put out on their PlayStation Network fairly early on. It's just kind of like an experimental, um, I don't even know what it was. Uh, but um, but he requested a track specifically from the uh, the PlayStation menu, like when you hover over the icon and it, it plays a little bit of music <laughs> and changes the PlayStation 3 background to a full screen picture of, of all the game's characters and whatever. Um, I remember him saying that he doesn't believe that the song was even in the game and so, yeah, it was just um, kind of yeah. contained to that XMB experience. Kind of similarly, this is a track that did appear in the game, so it's not exactly the same sort of story, but this one uh, stuck out to me because it was the, uh, I don't want to say mouse over music, but you know what I mean. Um, it was the uh, the music that played in the menu of uh, of the PlayStation before you booted this game up. And it uh, it was, it's a really striking piece Uh, when it just starts playing out of nowhere. And I I think it kind of oversells the rest of the soundtrack in a way, which is a bit unfortunate. Like I think it's a, it's a fine soundtrack overall, but I think this piece is clearly the standout, although it's, it's fairly minimal in its composition. There's not a lot that happens in it, but I I just really like the mood that it evokes. Uh, This is from the uh, double fine Gilbert can um, collaborated with them and Sega to bring the cave which is a really interesting plays like a platformer, but it's actually like once you really get into it, it's, it's a really nice and elegant modernization of a lot of the point and click adventure mechanics into a way that's more accessible and um, has a little bit more kind of get up and go, but you're still kind of using the same type of logic and the same uh, types of puzzles that you would be in a uh, monkey island game um and so it, it sits in a really kind of interesting space between genres this is a game that i absolutely loved uh, i played through this many many times with uh with some friends of mine and that's kind of the way that you have to play this game because you can select i um i believe three of seven seven or eight characters at the very beginning of the game and each of them has a uh, each of them is kind of like a like a stereotypical um character like there's a hillbilly there's a scientist there's um you know all sorts of kind of imaginative but i not imaginative because they're all archetypes that have been drawn from elsewhere but um they're all very like firmly recognizable and they all have uh, specific skills that they can perform and um and just depending on which one you or you and your friends you could play with up to three people i believe um chose at the beginning you uh, make your way through this cave and um solve multiple puzzles along the way i believe that uh, depending on who you have with you the puzzles can be solved in different ways to kind of take advantage of the abilities that the characters have almost in the same way that the uh, the lego games the skylanders games do it <laughs> in that everybody has a uh, has their own little ability that allows them to uh, to progress and solve puzzles in different ways and uh, get into certain areas. But but also um, the thing that really stands out about it 
is that each of these characters has a portion of the cave that is like their own neck of the woods, which is super interesting. And I could just talk for, I mean, I could talk for two hours about this game because (laughs) that's what we do here. (laughs) But um, it's interesting because the cave is kind of set up like, uh, like one of those purgatory stories that you hear of, um, you know, people being immersed in their own like personal hells or whatever, like this is kind of afterlife experience where you have to relive portions of your life or you have to uh, you receive a punishment that is befitting of a specific crime that you had committed. And the cave is very similar in that way in that uh, in that it it tells the story of these different characters in their um, kind of like breakout wings of the cave, uh, which is very kind of heavily aesthetically themed after them, but still takes place within the same cave. And so you still have the rock walls and everything, but it, um, but definitely like parts of their personality in the world that they would have known start to kind of like creep into that space in really cool and clever ways. But this particular track plays during the um, portion of the game that's dedicated to the twins, which is a really cool <laughs> group of characters. It's um, it's two characters, actually. Uh, the only of the seven selectable characters that is more than one person. And these are two little children, a boy and a girl, but they have these these big, like, white pupilless eyes as if they're uh, ghost children or something. And it kind of, like, calls upon that uh, that imagery that you would get from The Shining or something like that, that kind of creepy twins who probably have some uh, murderous history but they're the the kinds of characters that are so like young and innocent of mind that they don't even know the horrible atrocities that they're committing that that type of archetypical character and so this this song um, is kind of our introduction to them this is called enter the twins composed by brian min another one of the uh, double fine stable of uh, of reoccurring composers Yeah, it's just a really kind of like slow, kind of creepy track, but I think it sets a really nice mood. Let's go ahead and listen to some of that music by Brian Min. This is Enter the Twins. Okay, uh, your next track, Carl, is uh, one that's very apropos of an uh, an important event in uh, recent history. Some people may have heard that a little game called Red Dead Redemption 2 was announced. Um, to the shock of the world, I'm sure. Uh, no one saw it was coming. With good reason, <laughs> because the first game is really good. And this, uh, whilst the whole score is pretty solid throughout, I would say that 
in regards to the majority of Rockstar games, it's relatively unspectacular, but suits you know suits the needs of the game and and sells the atmosphere and the environment. However, with it, they did bring in a couple of more well-known music artists in Ashtar Command and Jose Gonzalez. Now, Jose Gonzalez is probably the better known of the two, um, and he did a track for. Red Dead Redemption called Far Away, which is the track that I've chosen for this show. And the track in its own right is great. You know, it, it's a wonderful track to listen to. It's very melodic and, and it, it's very Jose Gonzalez. You know, anyone who's listened to his music will know roughly what to expect. But anyone who's experienced the track in the game will know how special that moment is. And this is the moment when you leave America and you enter Mexico for the first time and you're on your horse and it's as you sort of cross the crest of a hill, this track starts rolling in and it's possibly the most breathtaking, blown away by a moment of music I've ever experienced in a game. The only thing that has really come close is another Rockstar game, um with a track I actually picked on Sound to Play in the past for Max Payne 3 um, in the yeah. airport in the entering the finale of that game. And yeah, yeah. it's amazing the impact a certain sound or a certain track can have to enhancing the moment. Now, this is something we've known from TV shows or movies and even games where we associate games with certain levels, but I'm talking about that exact moment that the second that you hear this track and you are brought back to the moment that you entered Mexico over that hill and you see that vista and the view and you realize that this is an entirely different world to the one that you've experienced in the first half of the game and you know it was that instant goosebumps you know the hairs on the back of your neck stand up and I lost all ability to control my character it was just like I was so Hmm. blown away by this breathtaking moment that I ended up having to soak this moment in. And as good as Red Dead Redemption is for its story, um, the twists and the turns and some of the, you know, the memorable characters that are in there, this outweighs them all. And that's saying something when Red Dead Redemption has, to me personally, one of my very favourite endings in gaming, that this track probably trumps it for its introduction into the game. And I'm sure those that played the game and experienced that moment know exactly the feeling that i'm talking about uh this this is from you know rockstar's uh 2010 game red dead redemption it's far away by jose gonzalez Into the 
This next one is a request from the forum. This is a uh, very familiar track that I think uh, I'm surprised we haven't featured already because it is a wonderful one. But I would like to uh, um, to thank K Sub Zero One Thousand for requesting this on our forum. Um, I don't believe that uh, that old Sub Zero um, included any text description or or um, any piece that he or she would like us to read out. So. I, I think we'll just have to do our best. And I think um, if, I, if I can at least speak for myself that, um, yeah, absolutely. I know this track and, and it has made an impression on me in the past. Uh, but this is another one, um, kind of like you were describing just now, that is really firmly associated with a moment in a game. And 
coming onto a portion of the game world that feels markedly different than anything that you would experience beforehand. Um, this is Fendrana Drifts by Kenji Yamamoto and Koichi Kiyuma from Metroid Prime, which we'll remember playing on the GameCube back in 2002. And uh, yeah, Fendrana Drifts is the ice portion of the world, so to speak. And, um, you know, the entire game is lovely and very diverse in its, um, in its areas, but this is one of the more one of the more memorable portions of the game. I think more than anything, even more than the uh, the kind of snowy weather that you'll get there. I remember it being very open and, and wide open spaces in a way that I hadn't really uh, experienced before in this particular game because I believe this came right after the lava section, which was mostly um, kind of claustrophobic tunnels and uh, um, and and so it felt really interesting kind of like opening up into this um kind of like wide outdoor area of um where you can just you know almost see for miles it felt like uh carl how far back do you go with metroid prime my memories are more linked to the team because it's a it's a franchise i always wanted to play the prime series obviously i played the earlier metroid games i'm not i'm not that uh neglected to the franchise but yeah the, the metroid prime games and um, I missed it on the GameCube for one reason or another. I was, you know, at university and I had other things going on, and it got re-released on the Wii, and then it got the Metroid Prime trilogy, which was super expensive, and I always wanted to play it. And James from the team offered to lend me his copy, which he just bought. It was at that moment I played it, and I would say that Metroid Prime was the moment that I played a game with a, the Wii controllers. And had that, oh, right, I see what they were trying to do with this control <laughs> set up. And it was just incredible. I mean, Metroid Prime is a masterclass in games design anyway. The the look, the feel, yeah. the um, rate at which you unlock upgrades for your uh, suit, um, the, the way the yeah. story is told through finding elements in the environment and reading the information and stuff. And I would say that that extends to the soundtrack, uh, the score, and the sound design as well. Um, it's really a breathtaking accomplishment. And people are always crying out for a new Metroid, and with good reason. I mean, this wasn't didn't directly Nintendo that made this one. This was Retro Studios. And I think a lot of the reason why we haven't seen one is that, quite simply, it's a very difficult game to better. Um you know, if if you're coming, hmm. if you're coming up, you better step up because this game really did bring it. Um, and I am certain that this is a game that we will cover on on Kane and Rents because people can talk about it enthusiastically, like me. And the soundtrack for all the environments uh, rings true. And it's it's the kind of soundtrack where if you listen to it, you go, "That's a lava world." And yep, that's ice. And that's snow, and I think that that directly relates to a well-designed soundtrack. So if you can sort of place where that would be anyway, and then when you actually experience it and the music kicks in, um, it, it really is a wonderful experience. And yeah, I mean, Metroid Prime just nails so many things that it should not be a surprise to anyone that, guess what, the score is pretty good too. I'm surprised that we haven't covered it on Kate and Rinse already. Mm. I, I just had to do a, a quick search for myself there. And uh, yeah, it looks like it's, uh, that is not one that we've touched just yet. Yeah. But um, yeah. And the problem is, do you dive straight into game. Prime? Because you can't ignore the originals. So yeah, no. do you do the whole franchise? 
<laughs> it's it's not it's not easy. It's, That's the thing we yeah. always get tripped up on. <laughs> That's all right. Well, anyways, uh, for now, while we figure that all out, <laughs> um, we have a, another wonderful piece from Metroid Prime: Thunderana Drifts by Kenji Yamamoto and Koichi Kuma. We just have one track left for today, but before we play that, remember you can uh, venture over to our forum at canerminscom slash forum, or you can get in touch with us on Twitter, Twitter, <laughs> at Twitter, at Canerminz, 
And uh, you can request songs in either of those locations. You can send us an email. You can get us uh, um, get on get in touch with us on our uh, Facebook page. Whatever you like, we take requests from all over the place, and we will feature those requests on a uh, future Sound of Play. Um, please do subscribe to Sound of Play and Canon Rinse if you have not already. And we do always appreciate your um, iTunes and uh, and elsewhere <laughs> reviews. Uh, very much appreciated. Uh, we also do have a Patreon over at canonrinse.com slash... No, that's not right. At patreon.com slash canonrinse. It's always one of those two. But of course, nothing is locked behind paywalls. It is entirely a uh, just a free donation space, but uh, it's always always greatly appreciated. Uh, I would like to, uh, to thank Carl for joining me today, and um, as well as all of our community contributors. Uh, we have one final track left today, and as I warned before, this one is terrible. It is a not very good piece of music, but god damn, it makes me smile so much every single time I hear it. <laughs> it's like a moment, like the first time that you like see it. <laughs> and and this is one that I heavily, heavily pair with the visuals that go along with it. And uh, as soon as I introduce it, if you've not already heard of it, I would uh, very much recommend just closing out this episode and instead watching it on YouTube because it's a real treat. <laughs> uh, this is from uh, from Connect Star Wars. This is the song I'm Han Solo, performed by Rene Wagner. And this is a parody of Raiden Solo by Jason Derulo. And it's as bad as it sounds. This plays during the... I believe it's just the Dance Central engine that's kind of plugged into this Connect Star Wars... Um, kind of medley of games um it's kind of like a mini game collection that was put out on the uh, original xbox 360 to promote the connect and uh, i i actually own it i bought a connect to do the uh the waypoint travel agency videos on uh on connect disneyland adventures and so i picked this up as well because it was insanely cheap at the time and i thought that you know i'm gonna get some sort of amusement out of it <laughs> and I'm i'm very happy that i did this particular track is accompanied by Han Solo and Lando Calrissian doing absolutely ridiculous dances <laughs> in the uh, Cloud City Carbonite Freezing Chamber. And uh, just seeing like these legendary characters being puppeted around like uh, and, and dancing in that really like awful garish modern way that just absolutely doesn't fit with with the uh the star wars brand it really disrespectful to the star wars franchise which sounds like the stupidest thing i could ever complain about and i'm not complaining because i do find this immensely amusing but uh you know this is something that uh i'm, I'm a big star wars fan every november 17th which comes so next thursday to when you're listening to this is the uh the anniversary of the star wars holiday special being released and so every year for years and years now my friends and i have had a uh, a star wars holiday special viewing party and um it's a wonderful tradition that we celebrate on life day of every year uh, and so i'm i'm really hoping that i'll be able to bring my xbox 360 setup to our life day party this year and get a little bit more of that uh, embarrassing Star Wars history because there was a lot of a lot of the history of that franchise is uh, it's pretty bad 
Um, but I think that's worth celebrating just as much as the good stuff. It makes me smile just as much. I can tell you that much. Um, Carl, you have, uh, I'd imagine as, uh, somebody who grew up in nerd culture, you probably have a strong visceral reaction to this song as well. I, it, I really don't like Jason Derulo as a music artist. <laughs> and then uh, to, hear, sure. to hear his song ripped on does actually make me laugh. Um, uh-huh with how utterly ridiculous it is. And then I'm equally horrified by the fact that they manipulated (laughs) one of science fiction's greatest ever creations in Han Solo into dancing that tune. Um, (laughs) It's, it's shameless. It's, this is the point that you realize that um, there is no shame with Star Wars. Uh, It's, Mm -hmm. they can make money out of every element of that franchise. And, they absolutely rinsed it for this. Um, it mm. is awful. <laughs> but like they know it going yeah, into it. Like exactly. this isn't something that they put out there being like, you know what? I think people are really going to connect with this. Connect with this, I should say. Um, it's something that like very clearly they were trying to do something cringeworthy and, and probably just like playing for the YouTube lulls, so to speak. That is endearing, and oftentimes it's. Uh, I'm also a big fan of like really bad movies and stuff, and always the wisdom there is like it's not funny if they're in on the joke. But in this case, like I don't think that it's so bad that it's good is the reason that I like it. I think it. I like it because it is trying to be just like a really light-hearted kind of piss take of the, uh, the kind of sci-fi fan base. Maybe I don't know. Like. I, I know that they're in on the joke and it absolutely doesn't bother me. I think it totally works for this particular song. And, you know, honestly, I'm not a Jason Derulo fan as well. I think that the uh, Ryden solo as a song is probably like my favorite of the pieces of his that I've heard, but still like, that's not like a hugely high compliment, but it's not, a, not a bad, bad song overall. Um, but uh, just this version, I'm Han Solo is absolutely delightful. And so, again, I would recommend if you haven't heard the song, uh, please do just turn off the podcast and go watch it on YouTube because it's it makes me grin from ear to ear every single time I watch it. Uh, It's one of those just genuinely funny things. (laughs) Uh, So anyways, uh, I am putting this track right at the very end of the show because, um, you know, you can uh, you can feel free to skip it if you want. But if you have a like a sense of um of not being too put off by the cringeworthy factor of this particular song and you want to hear somebody just clearly have a lot of fun with uh being given pretty much limitless freedom in their adaptation of of star wars uh then i i highly highly recommend this particular piece and um yeah let's let's go ahead and listen to i'm han solo from connect star wars I've been Ryan Heyman, joined by Carl Moon, and uh, we are deeply sorry. Well, you look the part, but let's see some of your moves. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
feeling free and it feels so right Oh, time to do the things I like Gonna see a princess, everything's alright Oh, no job but an answer to Ain't a fixture in the palace, no No, and since the carbonite's off me I'm living life now that I'm free, yeah Told me get myself together Now I got myself together Now I made it through the weather Better days are gonna get better I'm so happy The carbon night is gone I'm moving on I'm so happy that it's over now The pain is gone I'm putting on my shades to cover up my eyes I'm jumping in my ride I'm heading out tonight I'm solo, I'm hot solo I'm hot solo, I'm hot solo, solo I'm picking up my plans to put it in on my side I'm jumping in my falcon I'm hunting solo, I'm hunting solo, solo. This is like a star. 